This is the Ontario Family Law Podcast, featuring issues related to marriage, separation, divorce, child welfare, and also some immigration law issues. It's a companion to the book, A Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law, which is available as an ebook on iTunes or on Kobo, or as a paperback from Amazon, or by calling 416-446-5847. My name is John Schumann. I'm a certified specialist in family law, and I'm a family lawyer, mediator, arbitrator, and collaborative lawyer, and I am the partner leading the family law group at Devery Smith Frank, LLP. In this edition of the podcast, we cover how immigration law can affect family law when couples marry and come to Canada or vice versa. As a family lawyer, I often hear about a marriage or common law relationship breaking down shortly after the couple becomes to Canada. When that happens, the family law issues can be difficult, but not as difficult as immigration law issues that arise. When a recently immigrated couple breaks up in Canada, one or both of them may be deported or the spouse who is already in Canada may have to pay tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to support the other spouse. And that is before there is any discussion of spousal support or child support. For this edition of the podcast, we have a special guest, noted immigration lawyer and head of the immigration group at Debbie Smith Frank, Ashel Frankel. He will explain the immigration law consequences when a relationship breaks down. He has prepared slides, which will show up on your screen on the iTunes version of the podcast and on our podcast page as well. Welcome, Asher. As John indicated, I'm going to deal with some immigration issues, but to begin with, I have to tell you a story. This relates to a uh, Canadian citizen woman who uh, 50 years ago went abroad, married a foreign national, and uh, sponsored the individual, brought him to Canada. Here they are 50 years later, they're sitting, uh, having dinner together, uh, celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. And um, he looks at her and he says, you know, uh, 50 years ago, uh, we had a cheap house, a junky car, we slept on a sofa bed, and we watched a uh, 10-inch black and white TV. He says, but hey, I got to go to sleep every night with a hot 23-year-old Canadian citizen woman. He says, now I have a three-quarter of a million dollar home, I have a $50,000 car, a nice big uh, bed and large uh, flat screen 50-inch TV, but I'm sleeping with a 73-year-old woman. And, and he says to her also, you know, it seems to me that you're not holding up your, uh, your side of things, your end of the bargain. So without uh, flinching or batting an eyelash, she looks at him and she says, okay, you go out and find yourself a uh, hot Canadian 23-year-old young woman, and I will make sure that once again you will be living in a cheap house, driving a junky car, sleeping on a sofa, and watching a 10-inch black and white TV. So that's my introduction to uh, my topic of the, as John mentioned, the intersection of immigration law and family law. And what I would like to do is just sensitize you to the possibility of certain immigration issues that you might see in the context of a family law consultation. What is the typical immigration scenario? So as I illustrated in my story, you could have a Canadian citizen or permanent resident who returns to their home country, enters into, often we see it in the context of an arranged marriage, Many of you are aware that in many cultures around the world, arranged marriages are still very much alive and well. The foreign national is sponsored, moves to Canada with uh, her husband, and then there's relationship breakdown afterward. 
That's the typical situation we see. And immigration law does not only recognize heterosexual marriage relationships, but other marital relationships are recognized. For example, same-sex marriage, common law partnerships, which immigration requires uh, cohabitation for at least one year in a conjugal relationship in order for a sponsorship to move forward. Basically, uh, partners are interdependent and have a significant degree of attachment financially, socially, emotionally, and physically. Probably the very similar concept exists in family law also. Um, now, not covered in my presentation are sponsorship of children, parents, or grandparents, which are also allowed by immigration law, but I'm focusing primarily on uh, sponsorship of spouses and partners and what happens when there is a breakdown. Let's get the players straight. You've got a sponsor, generally a Canadian citizen or a permanent resident, and then you have the sponsored person who is a foreign national, someone from overseas, from a foreign country. It doesn't have to be overseas. It could be a U.S. citizen, Canadian citizen sponsoring a U.S. citizen spouse or common-law partner. We're about to, we're thinking about divorce. What are the immigration ramifications? So first thing you need to know is that whenever there's a sponsorship, there is also part of the sponsorship application is something called an undertaking of assistance. I've given you a screenshot of the document. You'll see the title, Application to Sponsor and Undertaking. I haven't provided all of the details, but just some of the details are that it includes an unconditional promise by the sponsor to financially support and provide the basic requirements for the sponsored relative, including clothing, food, shelter, utilities, household supplies, dental care, eye care, etc. All of these things are listed in the undertaking document. Comprehensive list of obligations are placed upon the sponsor. In addition, the undertaking obligates the sponsor to repay all social assistance paid to the sponsored person. So if the person collects EI from the government, can go after the sponsor to recoup those costs. That the obligations begin as soon as the sponsored relative becomes a permanent resident of Canada and continue for a duration of three years in the case of a spouse or partner. Again, as I said before, children, parents, grandparents have a, a lengthier duration of sponsorship period. The obligations on, of the undertaking remain in effect regardless of any changes, such as divorce, separation, any other type of relationship break, breakdown, or any change in the sponsor's circumstances, such as his or her unemployment, returning to school, moving to another province, the sponsor is stuck with the obligations for the period of three years. Enforcement action may be taken by the sponsored relative, as well as the federal and provincial governments to collect payments that may have been made to the sponsored relative. Furthermore, a sponsor in default of the undertaking will not be permitted to sponsor another person as long as debts remain outstanding. So that's one consequence of a breakdown in the context of 
um, the undertaking of assistance. Another very important area, and I'll run through it very briefly, is what's known as conditional permanent residence. If at the time of filing the sponsorship application, the couple is in a relationship for two years or less, or have no children in common, then the grant of permanent residence is conditional on the couple cohabiting in a conjugal relationship for a continuous period of two years from when the sponsored relative becomes a permanent resident in Canada. The intent of this, obviously, was uh, immigration perceived that there were individuals overseas who uh, were entering into marriage relationships. Clearly, they were not bona fide relationships, and the intention right from the start was as soon as they would come to Canada, they would um, abandon their sponsor and remain as permanent residents. In response to this situation, immigration introduced a conditional permanent uh, residence clause in all permanent residence situations, again, only where the couple was not prior to the time of sponsorship in a relationship for two years or, or more, or if they have children in common, then that uh, the condition does not apply. I guess immigration figures that if they can force the couple to cohabit for two years after they live, live in Canada, chances are they'll stay together after that. What is the consequence of relationship breakdown within the period of conditional permanent residence? In other words, within the uh, first two years uh, after the sponsored person arrives in Canada. Non-compliance with the condition will result or may result in removal proceedings against the sponsored relative. So, for example, if the sponsor finds himself in a situation where his spouse has left him, he can go to immigration and report her. Immigration can initiate proceedings, first of all, to find her, to strip her of her permanent residence status, and to initiate removal proceedings. Now, if that's not necessarily the end of the situation. If a removal order is issued, the sponsored person may appeal on humanitarian and compassionate grounds, which may include the best interest of the child considerations. And this is where legal counsel can come in and be play a very important role in terms of making submissions to immigration why the sponsored relative should not be removed from Canada. There are two very important exceptions to this rule. One is obvious and one is perhaps more logical than obvious. The exceptions are death of the sponsor during the two-year conditional period. Obviously, if the sponsor dies, uh, there is no obligation for the uh, sponsored relative to live with a dead person for two years. More importantly is this, where there is evidence of abuse or neglect by the sponsor, then the sponsored relative may be released from the condition and may be able to uh, leave the sponsor without any uh, ramifications. Now, for both of these exceptions, the sponsored relative, in other words, the foreign national, must have cohabited with the sponsor in a conjugal relationship 
Un up until the cohab cohabitation ceased due to death or abuse or neglect by the sponsor. So we've surveyed very quickly two fundamental areas, the notion of an undertaking of assistance and the notion of conditional permanent residence and what happens in the context of breakdown, residence breakdown. Conclusion. In the case of relationship breakdown during the period of conditional permanent residence, although the sponsored relative, the foreign national, may qualify for an exemption from the condition, depending on the cause of relationship breakdown, for example, if it's a result of abuse or neglect, nonetheless, the sponsor continues to remain obligated on the undertaking for the duration of the three-year period, irrespective of the cause of breakdown. Thank you, Asher, for all that information. If you have an immigration law issue, you can reach Asher at 416-446-4041. Immigration law issues can certainly have a big impact on family law. The family court has awarded long-term spousal support after marriage of just a few days when one spouse brought the other to Canada and then separated. Immigration situations are also the most common situations where a spouse seeks a legal annulment because the love of his or her life wasn't interested in love but only gaining entry into Canada. In these situations, you may not only need a family lawyer, but an immigration lawyer as well. I hope you enjoyed this podcast on the intersection of immigration and family law. My name is John Schumann. I'm a certified specialist in family law in Toronto and the author of the Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law. You can reach me at 416-446-5847 or at our website, which is www.devrylaw.ca. That's www.devrylaw.ca. Look on our website or on iTunes for many other podcasts in this series. We will talk again soon about other family law issues. Thanks for listening.